Hey guys, I'm Chantel. And I'm Chris. And this is Forgotten Fridays. Hey guys, and welcome back to Forgotten Fridays. I have missed you guys, and I'm so ready to tell this week's case. I've got a case that's fitting with the occasion, Valentine's Day, and I'm excited to tell it to you because sadly, like many of our other cases, it is unsolved. So as always, we are getting the information out there. This is the Lover's Lane Murders. Oh, Chris, I'm sorry. Before we get into that, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. How Welcome you been, back, man? Chris. <laughs> I'm excited, guys. I'm ready to dive back in. Um, I guess I didn't even cover any like true crime news or anything. Um, true crime news, I think it's been a couple weeks, but we all know they did say Brian Laundrie did kill Gabby Petito. It was in his suicide letter. So that happened. We are still waiting to figure out what happened to, I think her name was Lauren, um, the the black woman that was found dead with the white guy she went out on a Tinder date with. And basically the police let him go and didn't even question him, even though she was found dead with him. Um, and basically the, the family has just been ran around and not given any information. They found out from the apartment complex, not even from the police. So we're still waiting to figure out what happened with that. I'm actually going to include that in a case I'll likely cover in the coming weeks, um, but we don't have a whole lot of info on that. I'm trying to think. Has anything else happened? Not really. It's been kind of quiet. I didn't know either of these things, and I'm just sitting here baffled by the fact that Shan said them without any pause or thought to it. <laughs> like I'm like, wait, what? Gabby Petito, he, suicide note. And then Did you even know Lauren, he committed suicide? What? Tinder. <laughs> Did you know he committed suicide? No, that's crazy. Okay, yeah. So apparently he committed suicide, and the FBI did say they found, like, a letter where he basically admitted to strangling her. Guys, we have two other cases on here where the guys commit suicide. So 100% yes. looking like they're the real killers. Yes, and we I know we did kind of question a little bit whether or not, um, not to say that we were on either side because we weren't, um, but it's very clear, if this is true, that he did, in fact, kill her, and that's fucked up. No. Well, um, Lisa, he should suffer from it. It'll yeah. rotten hell. Exactly. The fiery steps. Yeah. So, um, you know, with that being said, guys, as we always talk about on the podcast, just look out for the warning signs. If you feel you may be in an abusive relationship, mentally, physically, whatever, you can get help. There is help out there. And in regards to that case with, I, I want to say her name is Lauren. I'm so mad at myself if it is, and I should have looked before we started, but I will go into some more detail on what's going on in that case here in the coming weeks. So anywho, again, this is the Lover's Lane Murders. So Cheryl Henry was 23 years old at the time of her murder. She and her boyfriend, 21-year-old Andy Atkinson, drove together to a wooded area in West Houston that was known as Lover's Lane near Eldridge and Enclave Parkway. Now, I don't think I have to tell anyone why it was called Lover's Lane, but it was known as a popular place for young couples to go. Cheryl and Andy had been introduced by friends and were in love. Earlier in the night, they had went out on a double date with Cheryl's sister, and it was around 10.45 p.m. that they had left that double date. And to my understanding, that double date had taken place at like a nightclub. So they're just two young adults in love, having a good time, going to the local lover's lane. So my first thought, Shan, my first thing that seems off to me, two first, two first names? 
Cheryl Henry, what kind of, but so far, nice story. Though I never understood the old school concepts of like make out peaks and like, that seems so weird. Oh, I like, know. Yes, I totally agree. I've never been to like a make out or lover's lane kind of thing. Um, I mean, my mama wouldn't let us go to anything like that. Those really exist when we were growing up. At yeah. Least I didn't hear about them. I don't That's... think so either. And this was, um, yeah, so this was August 22nd, 1990. So obviously it's back in the 90s before you and I were even alive. I don't think that they are as common as they once were, but kind of cute. I mean, it's cute. I don't know. Going to a place, you make out around other people, your friends talk about it. That sounds weird. Like that. Yeah, I saw Cheryl go to the lover's lane and she was with Billy Thompson. Like, and then the whole town probably talks about it. Yeah. You have a weird moment. Your parents find out and now it's weird to think this was old time Houston. That is so strange. I was I was, I don't know why, but I was I guess I could picture Houston at one point being like a sock op kind of town. Yeah. But the nineties still? I thought it would end it by like the seventies, you know? Yeah. So Cheryl said goodbye to her sister and let her know she would be hanging out with Andy a little while longer. She fully expected to see her later that evening. However, Cheryl never returned home that night. The next morning, her sister Shane noticed she wasn't in her room and hadn't come home, which of course was really weird to her and worried her. Cheryl had also failed to show up for her work shift that morning. Andy's employer was also concerned when he didn't arrive to work that morning either. So after informing the family, both families contacted the Houston Police Department to report them missing. It was actually a Houston patrol officer that spotted Andy's white Honda Civic down at Lover's Lane. He ran the license plate and realized it was registered to a missing person, so he called it in. Police officers found Cheryl's purse and shoes in the car. The Winders, the Winders, the Winders, <laughs> the no darn Winders. <laughs> oh, I've done too many Texas cases. The windows were down and the keys were in the ignition, but the couple was not. There was, however, traces of blood found in the vehicle. Search and rescue dogs were called in to search for the couple, and around 12 a.m., the dogs alerted to an area only 200 yards away from Andy's car. The police find a golf club and three golf balls, and they look to be intentionally pointing like in an arrow towards a cedar fence that was lying on the ground. After lifting the cedar fence, the police found Cheryl's body. Cheryl's body was found naked with her hands tied behind her back. Her throat had been cut at least three separate times with a knife. There was also evidence of sexual assault. Her clothes and a $20 bill were found near her body. At this point, investigators tell Cheryl's family that she is dead. It isn't until the next day that they find Andy's body. He was tied from a tree, or excuse me, he was tied to a tree only about 100 yards away from Cheryl's body. He was tied sitting upright against the tree with his hands tied behind his back and his throat had also been cut. The injuries to Andy's neck were far worse than Cheryl's though. He was nearly decapitated, but luckily for him, he was fully dressed. Andy's wallet and money were still in his front pocket. So investigators could tell this wasn't a robbery based crime. Um, I could tell that from the fact that this is a straight up like, that's brutal. It's almost um, butchering. Like, yeah. 
and, and it's like a game with the you know setting up things like that this isn't even like a doesn't it feel like a, a crime of like in the moment it you, feels you know what's really strange is that in my mind as i was going through it what i started thinking of was like i was like oh man i the reason why i would never go to these places is because you always see horror films mm -hmm. based around these kind of places mm -hmm. these kind of scenarios but a real life event would be that of the zodiac killer and if you remember, he had an incident where the couple was on the beach, you know, or not beach, but it was like a picnic setting type deal. And he literally did the same thing, yeah. tied their hands behind their back and, you know, killed them like viciously. Yeah. I don't recall him molesting the woman. I don't recall that. It might have been a thing. Right. But I can't say I'll have to look that up. But still, that's what it painted for mm -hmm. me in my head which is an unsolved case so yeah and you know it also in this is too and you know it also it reminded me of the urban legend there's an urban legend about that right like being in like a lover's lane thing and then the guy ends up hanging above the car from a tree or something and you hear the scratching noises sounds like something they would have came up with i don't know why i know that but that's an urban legend you know what? I, I have a theory that parents actually made those urban probably. legends to scare their kids. But off of things thing. like this, though, probably. Yeah. Like, it's a real thing, but, mm -hmm. you know, I'm going to make it so scary that you don't even think to do that. Yeah. DNA and other traces of evidence were collected at the crime scene. The DNA was sent to Baylor College of Medicine to be profiled at the time it was the best. Once it was profiled, it was entered into the Texas Combined DNA System, where it could be compared to all DNA listed in the system. But it never matched any of the profiles in the system. In the first few months, they had had a few suspects to look through. However, nothing ever stuck or fit. They were all cleared by the DNA not matching. Investigators even started wondering if the murder was a rage killing or not. With the way Andy's throat was cut, the time it would have taken to commit this murder and tying up both victims and killing them. Which to me also made me think like, so why are we only looking for one person? There could have been two people and maybe that's why no one's DNA matches. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? I could see that being a thing, 100%. Because I, I'm curious to know how big Andy is. I mean, there are two of them, mm -hmm. one of this person. And if he only has, a, he's only armed with like a blade. It's no bullet wounds or anything like that. So I just don't see how he could like, subdue both of them unless yeah. they just didn't fight yeah which but is why i was thinking why not fight if he doesn't have a gun exactly and i've heard other cases where it is a similar situation and they do fight they still get attacked but one lives to tell the tale because they somewhat fought not to say that it yeah. couldn't have happened that they were just scared because that can be but it does make me question like was there someone else helping there are times where one person is i mean because in just with any human reaction it is rare that a human will just freeze up. You mm -hmm. have your brain will automatically usually Fight kick or in. Flight. Yeah, so you'll mm -hmm. either try to run, to which he can't catch both of y'all. Right, and I would assume that the dude would like jump on him to fight him, knowing he's gonna die, so that she could run too. Like I'm not trying to downplay what they did. I'm just saying that, and then it would make sense that he's a hundred feet, you know, like a mm -hmm. hundred feet away. Because maybe that's how far he ran. And maybe that's what really pissed them off to do this huge, you yeah. know, display to him. To because him he down or yeah. something. Yeah. To which a guy and who has, you know like, what? To be honest. Or we, female. 
Yeah, we could never know because, to be honest, he could have maybe he had a gun or a knife held to her throat. And so that's why the dude didn't run. He wasn't going to run and leave her. You know what I mean? And he told him to sit down and maybe told her to tie him up or something. You know, we we can never know. But I, I do question, like, was there someone else? I would think that if I was a detective on the case. Me personally, I'd go for a theory it's someone else just because it's more believable. It's It's more... And I think that's that's really the problem because you'll hear so many, like even with the Zodiac Killer, they're only looking for one person. But his murders are so spread off that this could be multiple people and the handwriting changes, but they never look for more than one. But there's always that theory that, oh, there could be two. Mm -hmm. And even with like it's JFK with assassination, yeah. people suspect more than one person. So it just always makes sense. And it's like, but most times they only try to go for one one dude right yeah it's kind of yeah are we missing something i don't know they also speculated that this murderer had to have had some kind of familiarity with the areas since he was able to sub subdue assault and murder two healthy and strong young adults without being caught but they had nothing else to go on so the case went cold and that's another thing too he is an unknown place this is lover's lane so a lot of people come here that's what i'm saying so to be able to commit the crime and get away with it not be caught at all not be seen at all that wow see all of and that's exactly what i was thinking that you know like yeah everyone in this town knows of this place mm -hmm. but everyone in this town knows of this place they know that people are going to be here and if a person's really crazy and they know that there are going to be people here they can kind of plot it out look mm -hmm. study because killers i'm not gonna lie when they are stone cold like this like this is horrible mm -hmm. this is butchering so this type of person is a predator they're literally watching they're scoping so he probably did study them and he found yeah. that they were secluded you know there's mm -hmm. so many things that went into this that showed this was premeditated. Right. And it makes me question, did the killer watch them from earlier in the night? Did he see them at the club and follow them? Yeah. You know, where they, was he? It's so meticulous. Gosh. They wouldn't get anything new until years later in March of 2001. So remember, 1990 to 2001. Almost 10 years later, after the murders, the Houston Police Department received a letter. Chris, will you read the letter for us? If you want to know who killed C. Henry and A. Atkinson, it will cost 100000 Reply to the author in the classified section of the newspaper on March 12th. It also threatened a lawyer who would be involved if they didn't comply with the instructions. So even though that's weird as fuck, they decided to do it and see what comes from it. I mean, they have nothing else anyway. In the classified, they told the person they were willing to work with them to get more information on the murders. They even left a phone number for the person to contact, but the person never made contact with the Houston Police Department. The person never reached out again at all. It's always so weird that with these kind of killings, there's always a, a letter sent to a newspaper. Or something. That's so strange. I believe even looking back at like Jack the Ripper, he sent a letter. Like, it's so strange that that happens in coalition with the killings. It makes you, especially since the Zodiac is like a thing here in the United States, it makes you question is if this could have been like the same person or if they were influenced by that. I have no idea. Honestly, I have a theory on the letter. We'll come back to it. I'm cool with that, yeah. 
Since 2011, no one has came forward with any additional information or even claiming that letter. Police have produced pictures of the letter in hopes someone may recognize it and come forward, but no one has. Many believe the letter may have just been a hoax. And sadly, we've seen in previous cases where idiots say they did something just to be involved or to get benefits out of it. Notoriety, yeah, that's a real thing. I can also see that being a thing like, oh, this happened? Oh, I could totally just capitalize off that. Dudes have been going for clout for so long. Yes, and when you are when you know you're a goner forever and you're never getting out, like sometimes they're just bored and they just want some attention and they get to have a detective come and talk to them and shoot the shit with them. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, you're sitting in prison for the rest of your life. That's kind of interesting to you're that in kind prison of person. for the rest of your life, I really don't think that we should take anything you say seriously unless you were accused of something of a similar degree to where it's like, I could see you doing that. Mm-hmm. But if you're just like in there for like, I don't know, like armed robbery of like a very grand scale, like you held up a bank or something. Yeah. No, no. So I hate even saying this, but here's my theory. I wonder if a heartbroken family member may have even did it just to peek interest back into the case. I mean, it was a cold case at this point and the case hadn't came up or been looked at in years. I hate saying a family member would do that, but I made a whole podcast in hopes of someone finding my friend, so I can't put it past someone. I could see that. I could see that, but at the same time, it's also very strange. But that could that could also work. You know, who knows? We'll never know. Now, remember the DNA hadn't matched anyone the last time they ran it, right? Well, years later, the police department decided to send the DNA to the Texas Department of Public Safety to run it again. They did this because they had just received information that a local serial killer, Angel Matrino Resendez, which is someone who we need to cover, may be behind the crime. He was convicted as a serial killer, so of course they wanted to make sure he was not involved in this crime. However, the DNA... Wow. However, the DNA showed he was not the murderer. Then later in 2008, police finally got a hit on the DNA. They were informed of a sexual assault of an exotic dancer two months prior to the murder. She let them know a stranger had raped her. She also claimed the man also robbed her for $250. She said he attacked her in her home, in her bedroom, and he was wearing a blue colored uniform. He tied her up with duct tape, put a bag over her head, and put a gun to her head and threatened to kill her. So of course, they took a DNA sample from her rape kit, but it was not tested until years later in 2008. And no one knows why, of course. So they had this DNA sample the whole time, but since it was just a stripper, I'm sure it wasn't important enough for them to actually, you know what I mean? So strange how they classify things like that. It pisses you off, really, because, like, hearing this out of all these cases we've done, poor strippers, they are harassed a lot, it seems like. And I don't even want to hear, no, it comes with the profession because bullshit, there's no job that any person should face where they're harassed and raped and robbed, you know what I mean? For Because, and it's okay because of what they do, except maybe, like, drug dealers and gang Like. I lit, I watched, uh, I don't know why I watched these things, but I literally was watching um, Jamaica and 
there's a mom and like it starts off it shows you the mom shows you her kids and it's like oh but she's a prostitute mm -hmm. and putting her body out there all the time she literally says that she she could be this could be the last time she goes out she saw her friend the week before get shot but mm. it's just horrible mm. and she continued to do this and mm. it's like but but you could you could possibly seek a different way like this isn't yeah, worth it but at the same time like when you're on the when you're starving it's really sad and you or you have a drug problem or whatever the case may be you're going to do whatever you have to the real problem is that there is a dude who is videotaping that's going to make money off of this and you can't help her out <laughs> i know <laughs> you literally can't help her out you see she could possibly die go to jail be in prison her kids will no, you know i hate shows like that because 90 day fiance does that too they'd be watching somebody get robbed beat up and they just stand there and keep recording and i'm like y'all are wrong good. that's <laughs> fucking good <laughs> capitalizing what? on people misery oh god well in 2008 the dna from that exotic dancer's rape kit also matched the dna from the lovers lane murders now they go to that dancer years later and ask her if she can provide a description but this bitch could because she was not playing she thought of that man forever because he ruined her mm -hmm. life and she fucking hates him so she said he had a very forceful military stance she said he was 6'2", 200 pounds with an olive complexion and black hair. She also said she received threats from movers she had at that time and that she believed it may have been one of them that did it. Now, believe it or not, but this woman actually did have a connection to the Lover's Lane victims. This woman actually worked at Andy's father's nightclub at Dream Street, and Andy actually had worked the door for his father's nightclub a few times. So it's just a little connecting factor for the victims of this same, possibly same criminal. I guess it is same criminal because of the DNA match. Mm -hmm. So something to think about when you're trying to figure out what happened. Because remember, I did say maybe it was somebody at the nightclub that followed them. And yeah. that person would know both of these victims, all three of them. Another thing. With that description, it would make sense that he could definitely, definitely keep both of them in check oh yeah six two 200 pounds 100 percent. a military stance mm -hmm. he's been trained for this probably has ptsd on some cold mm -hmm. stuff which is really sad yeah another thing if he has a military background sometimes i'd be reading stories and i i love the veterans but man some some just go really dark well, i like, think that um i think me and you just have like a a specific outlook on it because we experienced it as children we experienced how veterans can become violent yeah. and be unable to control their anger i mean there was physical abuse in our home because of it so mm -hmm. i think we do have that outlook that many don't not everyone sees and i agree with you on on your sadness for it because we know that we're the ones not taking care of those people. I mean, not me and you specifically, but as a society, we're not taking care of our own military veterans so that they can get the help they need so that they're not beating on children and shit like that. Yeah. Or hurting or women. hurting people. Yeah. Going out in tangents and it's just and it I guess it does tie into our overall thing with mental and mm -hmm. you know, mental illnesses and things like that because PTSD does fall in that realm mm -hmm. and it can lead to other illnesses. Yes, absolutely. After oh, I did have another another thought though, Shan. This this case, if this is you know, these I mean obviously they correlate because DNA matches, but in most situations, most scenarios she says that the man who did that to her stole the money 
but it is very apparent that he doesn't do that with them right he he had no money in mind so different motives it would seem but maybe his crime was were unless, escalating though because she was after unless well no because that first crime was really bad he must have already been in the it. strip club he was a man who was unless he was a patron at the strip club she worked at through the money and got it back and that's why he back. took it back yes mm. and he no oh. but he watched her Mm -hmm. But he didn't kill her. That's the weird thing to me, that yeah. he didn't kill her. He killed no, them. That's true. It almost is like it's not the same person. It doesn't match up. Yeah, which it's would so flip weird. it on its head for me. Because if the same person can do that and this, maybe he knew them. Maybe it's more personable. But yeah. then at the same time, it doesn't have a, that range of personable because he butchers them. But also, there's a lot of... I only say men because, you know, like of the time, but there's a lot of men that, that know strippers, women that work the streets. Why? That sounds bad. Um, prostitutes um, that they're not going to be taken as seriously. So you may have just been like, I don't have to kill you. Nobody's going to give a fuck. And they didn't for years. Yeah, that's really sad. And then I guess it does. I guess that does kind of add up, but it seems much more meticulous. Mm -hmm. Like. Like much more, it seems personable. Like you know what I think. He specifically targeted. One, if there were two people with the lovers lane, and the one that one was super violent, the one that killed them, and the one that sexually assaulted her, is just a sexual assaulter. He's not super. He's not a killer. I, you know. What I would say to that theory, imagine that they're both there. Mm -hmm. You've seen Law Abiding Citizen. You remember mm -hmm. how one mm -hmm. did That's one what I was crime, thinking. That's exactly and then what he I was did thinking. because the sexual assault would match up. Mm -hmm. But then the other one who killed this man comes back, does the same thing to her, but mm -hmm. less violent, of course. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can definitely, I can definitely see that. That's my theory, to be honest. Actually, it would make sense for two because of the different pattern on each. That's what I was going to say. The reason why we feel like the, the two cases don't match up, even though the DNA matches. Because one was more violent. Yes. One did have the intent to kill. He probably was dealing with the man. That's why it's that bad while he was raping the girl. And yeah. if he got away with it, then I could see him being like, hey, I've already gotten away with this before. It can happen again. Mm-hmm the cockiness and like you said he probably already had he probably had an interest in cheryl seen her at, du at dude's dad's club and then also was at dude's dad's other club with the stripper and that's how he's seen her mm -hmm. he probably t picks his women that he's gonna follow after and you know what i mean yeah 100 percent. so interesting and they did release that sketch but um it got a lot of tips but it never went anywhere there are many cases that people speculate that may have been committed by the same attackers, some before and some after the Lover Lane murders, which is not surprising for someone that likely had been escalating in his crimes. I mean, tying up and cutting throats is not usually the first crime you commit. And I stand by that. I doubt they were his first. If he did that himself, they were not his first crime. No. At all. These are premeditated. This is a, this is a serial killer. This mm -hmm. is a murderer. But to this day, the suspect has never been found. Police are hopeful that the new familiarial DNA will help them to solve this case. For those that don't know about it, it is when they are able to match the DNA to family members and narrow down to the suspect. 
That means if one of the suspect's family members is in the national DNA database system, then they could get a match on that person and narrow it down to the actual killer. The police and family believe people know more than they are letting on in the case. And the family said someone will pay one day. And that's it. That is the Lover's Lane murders. Mm. Houston, Texas, true crime. I will say that I notice another similarity between cases. In all of them, they usually attack promiscuous women or women who, you know, society would deem immoral. Mm-hmm. And Cheryl's case, she's at a, a place that's known for, you know, lovers going there and things like that. The stripper. Promiscuous teen or feeling like they're promiscuous. Because with Jack the Ripper, he was going for prostitutes, women of the night. And, you know, and you can almost every time associate things like this back to a child who definitely had serious mom mm-hmm. issues. And that's carried over into how he views women. Really fucked up, mm-hmm. really tragic. But it's really strange that that is a, a, a thing in these yeah. these twisted humans' mind. It, yeah, it irritates me that we harp on daddy issues so hard. And we don't harp on mommy issues. But Which mommy is, issues are way more. Literally will fuck a, literally, a boy up. Like, literally. And even women suffer from yeah. mommy issues, mm-hmm. to be honest. So it's like. You know, that is a bond that's supposed to be like, I mean, both the father and mother are important, but you know, like that is just supposed to be infinite right off the bat. So when there's an issue there, I feel like people downplay how serious it really can be. Where moms are not, moms can be toxic, like mm-hmm. really toxic. Absolutely. Dads are toxic, but like. You're usually you know stuck with your mom. That's the thing. It's you know, like, really sad. It's like dad messes the kids up by abandoning them. But mom messes them up by staying. Like, yeah, because you didn't have a choice. Like the dad will be toxic, but he'll up and leave. Yeah, and so, and it's like uh, if you're if you harden yourself enough, I can I can deal with your absence. Yeah, <laughs> and not to say that either is worse than the other. It's just really one is fun. less looked at. Like you know what I mean. And I think that needs to definitely be worked on. But dressed hundred percent. This is unsolved, guys. I know it's fucking annoying. What happened? Who did this? We do not know. Texas sucks at solving crimes. That is one thing that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Sad to say. Doubles, double-edged sword we, we live by here. You know? Um, guys, make sure you catch us next week on our Forgotten Fridays episode. It's a special one. It is going to be a preteen slash teen episode that will include a special guest, my daughter, Allie. She my is, niece. Yes, she's a preteen. Um, you know, I know, obviously, true crime is not something we really want to share with our kids, but it's important that we give them some kind of information so that they know what they're up against. One in five girls will be assaulted in their lifetime. That is the statistics and the numbers that are out there and factual. And because of that, if you are not telling your children the dangers of the world, you are literally not preparing them for the world. It is worse to leave something unknown because if it's unknown, you don't know how to respond to it. But if it scares the living daylight out of you, five bucks says that you you respond to it <laughs> way quicker. My mom yes. scared me on the premise of what? everything. Yes, everything. God. I was going to be terrified. But it, do you know what that did? That made me to where <laughs> I didn't want to do it. Like, oh, no, I'm not doing that with you. Stealing? No. Mom, terrified, scared. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there are just certain things that I think you have to be scared of. Yes. 
Um, but I will definitely tone it down. You know, I will not go into any detail. There obviously will be the trigger warning and I won't go into any deep detail when it comes to things like sexual assaults and stuff like that. But I want her to hear this case. I want you to be able to take the time to maybe listen with your preteen or your teen um, just so we can keep them knowledgeable on the dangers that do exist. And that will be a case that we cover again next week. So other than that, make sure you catch us on the Instagram page, Forgotten Fridays Podcast. Make sure you catch us on our YouTube page, also Forgotten Fridays Podcast. And thank you so much for the interactions we're getting with you guys. Um, We read everything and we really enjoy some of the theories that we've seen. Um, You guys rock. Thank you for taking the time to do that. Um, And as always, subscribe to the podcast so you get all updates whenever we release a new episode. We've got some good content coming out here pretty soon. That's all I have. What about you, Chris? Um, I would be really curious if any of y'all, you know, like, just let me know what you think. Do you think, like, this correlates or has any type of coalition with each other? Like, maybe they're dealing with the hype from the past crimes and stuff, like Jack the Ripper you know inspires the zodiac to be his true crazy self yeah then they continue this ripple effect of craziness i would be curious because these cases have too much similarity in my opinion i feel that definitely let us know what you guys think hit those dms um other than that catch us next week and as always bye guys bye guys